This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jumrukovsky, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hey guys, happy Friday. Welcome to the I Love Success Podcast. I'm super grateful, super excited that you're here with us today. If you haven't listened and watched this show before, my big fat mission is to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams. Right now, you are the most important person to me. I want you to be able to get at least one idea today that can accelerate your life. I have dedicated my life to study success and to share that with the world. And I think redefining success is probably the right way of saying it because for me success looks differently for every person and that's why i bring on some of the most interesting talented uh, people in the world and today i have a super super cool guy he's been in the real estate game for more than 30 years he's, he's done a lot of cool shit but one one of the coolest things i would say is that he sold the playboy mansion and a lot of other you know amazing estates. Uh, he seemed like a super cool dude. I listened to him on another podcast about a week ago. I decided to give him a call. He was super nice and uh, was able to get this done. So without further ado, let's welcome Gary Gold to the I Love Success podcast. How's it going? Yeah, well, welcome, Gary. So before we get into the whole business nitty-gritty and all of that, can you just share a little bit about you as a kid? What did you dream about? What, what, how were you? What type of personality did you display uh, to the world? Uh, before we get into that, you had told me earlier you're Swedish. Yep. And you've got this, and you, you competed in like karate. You were a medalist in karate. And I wonder if growing up in Sweden and having to get out of an Ikea might have created some competitive mindset because i gotta tell you i've been in an ikea yeah i like ikea some things and i try to get out and it's it's anxiety ridden sometimes it's like a maze so i wonder if that was part of your success to get to get out of the maze <laughs> oh my yeah, god IKEA every maze. every time i go to ikea i i i want to i want to you know I start off very excited, but I end up just looking for it's the like meatballs. Yeah, the meatballs and a panic. It's a panic. Yeah. <laughs> the only other place that's similar to that is like a really big Vegas hotel. You want to leave, and you don't. You don't. They don't show you where the exits are. They make it very difficult. Yeah. But I digress. You said, "What was I like? Like, what was I like? Like a kid?" Yeah. Um, I was literally from as early as I can remember, I was a really, really happy kid. And I was funny out of the gate. I was a super nice kid and I was really, really funny. And I love to eat. Man, did I love to eat. <laughs> My parents fed me a lot. So, um, so yeah, I had a really good childhood up to a certain point. And uh, then it got ugly. <laughs> So there you go. What ha what happened there? You know what? When my I was in first grade, and this definitely had an impact on my life for good. I would say at the end result was good. When I was in first grade, my mom got cancer, and from like the age of maybe about seven years old, no, I guess from five years old to till I was about eighteen, 
my mom battled breast cancer. Back then to have that kind of run and be able to live that long was amazing, but um, yeah. it can really, you know, it really can destroy and screw up a family, especially back then. I don't think we had the same tools that we do today, how to get it together. And that just had a huge impact on me. In fact, um, yeah, so it really did. So, uh, and I think that really had a big impact on my life. And, you know, I think looking back, it's positive. It gave me some empathy. Um, and, but it all, the one thing it did create, we're talking, this is about success and everything goes along with it, yeah. is it did create this underlying feeling uh, of when is the other shoe going to drop? And uh, I remember when I sold the Playboy Mansion, in fact, you had Tom Bailu on the show and I saw him at an event and I asked him this. Yeah. I said, I, I remember selling the Playboy Mansion, top of the world. I mean, and the, the day I sold the Playboy Mansion, I was flying to Vegas to a Tom Ferry conference, the summit. Yeah. Um, and there's, there was going to be about 4,000 real estate agents there. And literally everyone knew I, that I had sold that property. It was a big deal. And I was on top of the world and I'm sitting on the plane and I am, couldn't be higher. It was like getting a Super Bowl ring. And I said, I just listened. I'm getting on the plane. I go, okay, God, just now I've sold the Playboy Mansion. Now this plane's going to crash. Do me a favor. Can we just make it to Vegas? Can I have, can I take the victory lap and have the glory of the weekend? If I have to crash, can we do it on the way home? And um, there's, it, it was, and it was, it's such an odd feeling. Now I was smart enough to recognize that that was a feeling and that wasn't a reality, but it was a real feeling. And um, I've ha I have this kind of reverse thing where I've had it and I've, I think I've outgrown it for the most point where when things are really good, I have this feeling that, okay, now, you know, I don't deserve it or when's the other shoe going to drop. But conversely, when the shit hits the fan, I am one of the most optimistic people there is. It's like, okay, I am at a freaking bottom here with some whatever, and I can find my way out. I seem to have that ability to, to recover because I have recovered so many times and it's kind of reversed. So um, yeah, let's talk about that, Gary, because yeah. I know a lot of people have that fear when when they when something good happens they're like oh, what's gonna what it this this can't go on forever something bad's gonna happen it's almost like you're attracting that in your life and i know for a fact there's so many people that are self-sabotaging they're building up something and then they're scared of taking it to the next level so they go down and self-sabotage and start over again uh, can you just talk about that has that happened in your life or or how can you how can you overcome that yeah, I don't know if it's happened in my life, you know, possibly it's, you know, Tom, uh, I mean, Tony Robbins talks about, we all kind of have a, yeah. you know, a thermostat and if things get, and we're comfortable at a certain level, if things get too good, we bring it down. If things get too bad, we bring it up and we try to find some tough balance. I don't know if I suffer from that, but I definitely have just because, you know, being really young and having my mom die. You know, my dad growing up went bankrupt twice. 
Um, and it had huge successes too. So, and for whatever reason, my parents at the time, I, I, I was getting a blow by blow on my mother's health and my dad's business. I, we would talk about that on a daily basis for better or for worse, but not the, not necessarily something you want to be thinking about when you're 12. So regardless, I got that. And um, the one thing that today that I have, which is one of the best gifts I could ever have, and I think it is a big part of my success, is I don't recognize losing. It is literally not in my vocabulary. And let me expand on that. If I was going to get a hundred million dollar listing or i had a hundred million dollar listing and i lost that listing or i didn't get the listing let's say i was up for it and i didn't get it i would go shit i lost that listing my immediate reaction is what good thing is going to come out from this what is this going to trigger i never look at you know we all watch a lot of movies we all read a lot of stories and if you ever look at like heroes journeys, there's no good movies that start out where someone is like on this mission and they have, and they, and they get successful and they go straight up and life is grand. That is, there's no story like that. There's always these setbacks and there's always these times where they have to rally and really get, bring in the best of energy they've ever had. And the, the more from that, they had to draw from themselves more than they ever did to actually eventually succeed. And I have just concluded it's been beaten into my head. And I've just, I now know that winning, being successful is losing 90% of the time. And if you don't get, you know, my best successes in life have all been born out of the manure of all my losses. Every big loss I've had has really been the foundation of my wins. Now, you've got to have a good attitude, and I've always had that. I have a good attitude when I lose. And when I look at that, I love to, I love to make a comeback. But I've, I've made it a, I think I've made it a little bit more practical than having to crash and burn. I just see these little set. I don't look at setbacks as setbacks. I look at it as this is the story, and this leads to this. I mean, we could all look back and, and at the most successful people in the world and it's they don't i think most people that are really really successful don't recognize yeah you don't beat yourself up you don't beat yourself up right uh i think one thing that that i want to take this question to the next level because uh, i used to think and i haven't decided where i'm where i stand on this point yet and i'm curious uh, because there's a saying you know it successful people bounce right back up when they get knocked out and then I read the book Winning by Tim Grover, and he, in his perspective, is that no, winners, they stay down for a little bit, and then they come back so they can contemplate and don't do the same mistakes, uh, and, and I don't know where I stand on that, so I'm curious, like, what's your thought uh, on that? Is Tim Grover the guy who coached like kobe and exactly and yes I, I just guy. i just saw him i just saw him speak a couple of weeks ago yeah yeah did you like it uh, i did but there was one thing that's funny he's sitting there in front of two thousand people and he goes i'm not a motivational speaker tim grover yes you are <laughs> he's real 
what yeah. he's talking about is real, but he's absolutely a motivational speaker. And I, I don't think anything's wrong with that, but he's, yeah. he's, uh, he's, uh, he's an interesting guy. Um, yeah. I think, I think, Hey, listen, I think both can apply. I don't know what necessarily goes on in the mind of people. I mean, I, do I get anxious? Do I, do I like go fuck at a second, you know, for a second and then bounce back? I've had both. Yeah. I've definitely been beaten up and like sat there and contemplated. Um, and you know, sometimes when, yeah, I think it could go both ways. There's some, I remember, and I don't remember the exact situation, but I remember Tom Cruise at one point, like had a huge position, like literally with this production deal with a big studio where besides being an actor, he just had this huge deal and it got, he literally lost it. And it, in, in a way that wasn't pretty. The next day, literally within a few days, he had a bigger deal. Yeah. And I've seen the most successful agents. There's one agent, maybe one of the most successful agents in the world. And I've seen him take these hits and these losses. And then he turns around and does something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. And what is that? Up? Like, what is that in the mind? Because that, I, I'm curious, like, what, how come some people take the big hit and very fast get back to something better. And then, I mean, I've seen in the martial arts world, a lot of, a lot of the, it's simple. Thousand people start training karate. One right. becomes a black belt. Mm -hmm. That's how, how the progress goes. And I think that's pretty general in life. Like there's thousand real estate agents or the thousands dancers or whatever. Only one is really going to excel. And what is the difference in the mind of that person? What is, what is it that that person does in order to get, and maybe we can go straight to you. What is that you do differently in order to achieve the things that you do that a lot of people, I mean, there's probably 40, 50,000 agents just in LA that would love to do what you're doing. So what, what is it that you do? And what I think for me, I don't think it's exactly what you do. I think it's how you think and how you operate that is excelling you but I, I might be wrong it you know what i think it's i think kind of your software your operating system super important yeah and if you don't have a proper operating system it's going to be really hard i mean it's not everything's possible i think there's a lot of different scenarios i can think because i have had tremendous I've, i've lost a ton i've had setbacks a ton i've I, I, I've had missed I had a ton of missed opportunities, but let's think about, I can think about a few times where I was, I remember uh, when I got the, I, I was with a client, I was at their house and he said, and he happened to be uh, the managing partner of a, of a, uh, of uh, he happened to be someone who had a, a, a controlling interest yeah. as as a, a, a in in playboy and he said we're thinking of selling it yeah. and our, and he happened to be a personal client for his houses he didn't own playboy he and had a management role yeah and uh and first i, I didn't think i could you could sell the Playboy Mansion. He was, he was thinking of selling the Playboy Mansion, not Playboy. Yeah. And I go, huh? And then he started asking me questions. And then um, I was said to myself, I, first of all, I said I didn't think you could sell that house. And second of all, the thought came to mind. I go, there's no way I'm going to get that listing. Now I was super successful at the time. 
Don't get me wrong. But I never sold something like that. Very few people had. And my original thought was like, okay, but I start, but he started, he'd say, what do you think it's worth? And he'd ask me a few weeks later, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I started to go, okay, we're starting to get something here. I go, I guess there's, as a, a shot, I could go for it. That's all I knew. I said, I could go for it. Yeah. And then as time went on, it started to get a little, and I said, you know what? Can I, and this and this was a long period of time, but like a year later, I said, why don't I put together a marketing proposal for you? And then at, at that point, I go, you know what? I'm, I, got, I got a shot here. And then something else occurred. I don't remember exactly when, but at some point in this whole process, and it was a couple of years, I went, I can sell the Playboy Mansion. And then very shortly, I'm selling the fucking Playboy Mansion. No matter what, there's nothing nothing that's going to stop me from selling that house. Yeah. Now, at first I had no thought that I could do it, but at some point I went through this process and it was, and it was, and it wasn't like wishful thinking is I started to put together. Okay. It was real confidence based on yeah, well, facts that have happened to you in the past. Right? Well, it was based on a, I'm starting to have this conversation. That's how all relationships start. And we're starting to converse about that. And then I have this saying is become someone's real estate agent before they gave you the job. So I took on the role of being his agent for that property and providing him the information that his confident, his agent would do yeah. long in advance before anyone suggested that they're giving me the Playboy Mansion yeah. or that they're even selling it. I did that. So that, at that point, I started to feel fairly confident. I believe at some point, if you do that, you don't have to, you don't lose a listing. You, they, have to, they have to take it away from you. Yeah. You've, yeah. you've just owned it. Yeah. And then, so I, what I started to do is I started to be really practical about this and go, what does it take for me to be the one? And I was competing with literally the best real estate agents on the planet. Everyone that I was up against, let's say the final table, because they talked to everybody, yeah. were more who, who had a better track record at things like that to sell it than me. Yeah. But I said, I'm going to get this thing. And I went about and did things that made me absolutely confident that not only I would list it, but I would sell it. And so when it came to a point and you talk about how people end up being a black belt or how they get there, yeah. I, I got to the point where I was like, pretty much, you said, it's yours. Yeah. You know what? And, and it wasn't his decision. It was all board of directors. Yeah. And, um, and then they wanted to interview one other person. Yeah. They go, get us one other guy to interview. I don't think we're, you know, I don't think he's our deal, but we're going to interview him. And he called me back and goes, you know what? The board met with this other agent. Unilaterally, everyone thought that he was the best. He's got this, he's got that, he's got this. And unanimously, including myself, we all think he's the right person to list the property for. Ooh. I'm sorry. So I'm what sorry. happens in your mind when you get that call? Okay, no. So, uh, so, it, so I'm having this conversation with him. Now, keep in mind, and I am... Hey, listen, I don't, I am not this person that always has this absolute, I'm going to win no matter what, don't even stop me. 
Yeah. I've got a, I, I've got a rally to get that. Yeah. I'm good at it, but I have to rally to get you're, that. You're I'm human. Not, Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not, I'm not Muhammad Ali. <laughs> uh, so when that happened, I remember in my mindset, it's like, this is, this is my listing. I'm getting that listing. And as a result of having that absolute, now, if I didn't have that mindset, I would have like, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Or I would sit there and got defensive or I would have just, I don't know. I would have done something, but I was so like, I was Tom Brady down by three touchdowns. Doesn't even phase him. That's what I was. And, and as a result of that, I was able to think really quickly. And I said to him, I said, you know what? I completely, and I wouldn't have been able to say this, by the way, unless I've already resigned to the fact that I'm getting it. There was no options in my mind. And I said to him, and when I was saying it to him, I was just going, God, that's good. <laughs> I said, I totally get it. There is nobody better at making a listing presentation than this agent. I mean, I completely understand where you guys are coming from. I said, where Hilton and Highland really shines is not in that. Where we really shine is in selling these houses. I said, give me five minutes. And I'm going to send you a spreadsheet of the, the $20 million plus homes in the last three years Hilton and Highland has sold and the $20 million plus houses that this other company has sold. Yeah. And our list was this long and their list was this long. We literally dominate in that high end thing. And I sent him that spreadsheet 30 minutes later. He says, Gary, we're going to co-list the property with you two guys. Yeah. So that's like what I call a hail Mary, but I was, and, and during the process of selling that property, there were more crazy things that happened that just seemed so threatening. But all I saw is that guy wants to sell, that guy wants to buy, I don't care what anyone says, what anyone does, whatever anyone goes, this is going to happen and I'm going to make it happen. So I was just so focused. And I think that is the difference where someone becomes that black belt or someone wins this title or someone gets to that level is that they are really focused on the end result. They know why they want to do it and they know what they're going to do. And then everything in between is just an obstacle. Can you imagine if you were LeBron James and every time someone scored or 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 you know or took the ball away from you or or the other team was ahead that they you know deflated? Yeah. You think that even crosses their mind? I mean, I don't think Tom Brady, I don't think being behind even crosses his mind that he's going to lose. Yeah. He's just regrouping. And I think you what you did there for looking from the outside and from from all the listeners and this i think applies to everything in life is that not only you you had developed during all this year the skills but you were also part of a group that supported you you're in the right place and i think that that comes back to being in the right environment also helps create success right well i'll i'll talk about that Another thing I say often is sell what you have. Yeah. In my case, at that time, I sold exactly what I had. I didn't, yeah. By the way, if I would have said to this same guy, yeah. if I would have said, look at the homes that I sold, 
in this 20 million plus range. And look at the houses the person he talked to sold in the 20 plus miles range. That spreadsheet would have been completely opposite Yeah, at the time. It would have been opposite. He, he, he had a better track record for those type of houses than I did. But I didn't say that. And I, and, I, and I wasn't bullshitting. I said, look at our company. And he was hiring the company. It didn't matter to him who the company was. So I sold what I had. Yeah. I, was, I started real estate when I was 17 years old. Wow. You can't have a license when you're 17. My brother was in it. And I was his assistant. But I was still showing houses and just doing things because I was his assistant. And uh, we had our own company. And we were competing against Colwell Banker and Fred Sands and Harley Sands, these big companies. And we sold the fact of who we were. So I think you could, you know what? I think you can be brand new in real estate or brand new at something else and still make a uh, compelling argument why you are the best candidate for a deal. When it comes to being representing a buyer, if we're talking about real estate, um, people don't give two shits who you are. It's just, do, do you have the product? Do you have the information? Yeah. With getting a listing, you've got to kind of prove why you'd be the best person to market their property. When it comes to the buyer, you just have to know the property. Yeah. <laughs> or know, know the buyer and know the property. And, yeah. You know, you could be anybody. Yeah. And let's talk about like how darkness brings light into life and what you have learned from from your life you, you said you've been sober now for 35 years yeah correct so do you just want to share a little bit on that like how how did you change your life from you know being sober and the before like what happened there that you like hit rock bottom it has to be become be a change well for me it was you know some people might sit around and question what's happening and people today you know, getting sober and being on a, the program, as people call it, uh, is now very open. No one, like, I don't think really looks down upon you. In the, and I don't know if they look down upon you there, but it was just unusual. Yeah. I was the first person, I, the first person I knew amongst my friends that like got sober. Yeah. You know, now and once I got in with this at the program, there were other people I saw that I kind of knew one way or another. But uh, to me, I mean, I literally just couldn't function anymore. It wasn't like some, oh, I think I have a problem. It's like, I had a real problem. I literally kind of lost my mind. Fortunately, I didn't, I, I, I was not involved in drugs and alcohol in an abusive way for a long period of time. It was a pretty short period of time, but like anything else, I did it really well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did it really well. And I just, I ended up, you know, you know, spending a couple months, you know, getting treatment and even help actually. I actually got, I, I got thrown out of the rehab. That's hard to do. You're paying them like the time, like 35, 40 grand a month. And they go, we can't help you. <laughs> Why did they throw you out? <laughs> uh, because I literally was, I wasn't crazy enough for the real crazy place. And I wasn't sane enough for the, just the regular sobriety place. There was just no place for me. And I was really uh, disruptive and I was really not 
in the right place. I was just literally kind of, I literally was not, I, I kind of cracked. Yeah. And um, I never shared this before, but there's something in uh, the program called the third step where you literally, and I am not religious then, I'm not religious now. Yeah. And uh, where you're supposed to kind of ask God, your higher power, to restore you to sanity. And at the time, I really was kind of insane. Um, and I remember I walked around. I was 100 pounds overweight at the time as well. Not a pretty look. Yeah. Only cocaine addict ever that was 100 pounds overweight. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm walking around this park. And I'm like having this talk with the higher power saying, if, if there's a God, just, just help me. I'm fucking nuts. And I walked around and that later that day, I'm going to see my older brother and he looks at me and he goes, you're back. What happened? What happened to you? Because I, I said, what? He goes, you're completely normal. I thought you would never be a normal person again. I thought you literally went off the deep end. Something has happened to you. And I didn't feel a lightning bolt come and hit me. I don't know what it was, but I literally went from batshit crazy to back to square one like that. Never looked at another drug, a drink again. I definitely took very seriously doing what you need to do to stay sober. And uh, they say work in a program. Uh, but fortunately I was such an addict that I just have been sober addictively for 35 years and I have applied, you know, being an addict is not necessarily a bad thing. It's like someone who's really focused. <laughs> I told you super focused on an outcome. It was just a really bad outcome getting high. Oh and I turned that around and my outcome from there on was about living a clean life, staying sober, being healthy. And a big part of the 12th step of AA is, you know, when you've found some, you know, you, you, you've gotten well, let's put it this way, help yeah. other people. You could have yeah. two weeks of sobriety. You're supposed to help the guy who's got two days. Yeah. And I've, I've applied that to my entire life. Uh, and just being of service to other people I've done, I've done it just because I literally was directed to do it and it worked really well. And I'm going to continue doing it. Yeah. It's proven to be a really winning formula for life and for business. Not that that was ever my intention or even knew that that was an outcome, but what a great way to live life yeah. is to be of service to other people. And when you're like that, you just become this kind of hotbed of information and it comes back at you, you know, in multiples. And I want to talk more about that. But first, I just want to go back to that moment when you, you, you talked about step three and they changed that day. Uh, would you call that a divine intervention or would you call that a decision that you made? Or like, what do, what do you, like now when you can look back, do you, can you, do you understand what happened there? Uh, I didn't even recognize that it happened. 
Oh, you didn't. To tell you the truth. I didn't even, I even, I didn't even recognize it happened. My brother told me, but you know what? Literally that day I like went back to work. I started, I, I got, I started going back to work and things started getting better immediately. Was it a decision? I think something clicked Yeah. that I was on this path and now I'm on this path. Yeah. And I had, I had some of the tools in place. I, to, go on another path and i was so beaten down i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna fight anybody i remember the day i walked into the rehab and i had to go to two rehabs and it was took a while for me to really figure this out i remember looking at the 12 steps and saying i remember reading the first one saying admitting you're an alcoholic and your life's become unmanageable i went okay and then the second one is along the, the next following ones is basically admitting that you're powerless and you can't help yourself. I go, what? I was supposed <laughs> to say I have a problem and now I'm saying I can't help myself? Come on, no fucking way. So I was just looking at this and going, okay, this is not happening. So I was, I, I kind of fought the whole thing, but hey, I was, I mean, I literally was sick. I didn't know what was going on and I didn't realize how far, how, you know, how bad of a place I was in, you know, I did, I did not live this crazy drug addict life for 10 years on the street. I was just this upper middle-class Jewish guy who sold real estate that had a drug problem that I kept quiet. No one knew about. And uh, the problem happened over a couple months. I, it came to a head and, and it, you know, and I started getting sober, but I don't think I'd be the person I am today. I don't think I'd have the empathy. I don't think I would have the drive. Uh, the other thing, when I used to do Coke, I thought that's what made me driven. I was, because before that, I was actually kind of a lazy guy, not a focused guy, not, I had no direction. And then I remember the first time I did Coke, I was like, boom. And like, I just went to like the stationary store and wanted to get organized. And that is how the first time I got confidence, it just, you know, it just, as everyone knows, yeah. uh, it doesn't work and it crashed on itself. But when I got yeah. sober, I was scared that I wouldn't be able to work without it. And I found out that that feeling I got from that first time, that feeling I got was in me all along. Yeah. I'm that person now. I just don't do drugs. Yeah. I am so, I mean, it's hard for me to, shut it down i'm so driven and i thought that was i needed drugs i often think that Jimi hendrix was not a genius because he took lsd and played guitar he was a genius despite the fact that he did that shit yeah that's that's a very good point and and i'm curious like how so you're back to work and now how did you start you know becoming healthy and losing that weight and did that affect your performance in your business as well well i lost um after about being sober for nine months and i had a lot of work to do um i remember i was still very overweight and i go you know what this doesn't feel right (laughs) remember kind of ODing on this hot fudge Sunday, having this horrible situation where I just like had, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. I really just, and I felt, I go, this is not sober. This is as much insanity as everything else. 
And the same way I lost, a, I mean, I got sober, I lost a hundred pounds and I went to another 12 step program and it was the same thing. And, you know, it's the same people yeah. who are addressing another problem. And I lost a hundred pounds. And then several years later, I did the same thing and quit cigarettes. I'm a quitter. <laughs> so I, I quit all those things. And, and when I got sober, the other thing that happened is it opened my mind to like thinking along the lines of spiritual things. And I did this thing called taking an inventory in AA, which is a big deal where you really just kind of get out of the way, all your fears, all your resentments and tell another human being and just get it out of the way. And it's very liberating. The same time I was doing this 12 steps and especially the inventory, I did the 30 day Tony Robbins unlimited power program. Yeah. Did it at the same time. Ooh. The two things together was just genius. I came out of that so empowered and that started a road of reading a lot of books on, you know, business books, self-improvement books, the Tibetan book of the dead, all, anything I could get my hands on. There was a place in West Hollywood called the Bodhi tree, this spiritual bookstore. And I'd go in there and I would just read anything I could get my hands on, just opening my mind up to this, you know, the intangible things in life. And it's, you know, still very curious about all that stuff. I think I was when I was a little kid. This is this might have been this might have been foreshadowing that yeah. I was an interesting person. When I was like nine years old. I was at a bookstore in Palm Springs. I was at my I was with my friends. They had a, a, a they had a, a desert house, and we walk in the bookstore. He walks to the comic book section. I walk to the self help section. Yeah. I don't know why, and I literally made a beeline, and I see this book. You know, you see the spines of them and it yeah. said the magic of believing. And I literally like was drawn to that book and I bought that book. Nine years old. Claude, <laughs> nine years old, Claude M. Bristol. And that's still probably the best book I've ever re uh, read about just kind of mindset. And it's all about, I remember in there, it says, it said, look around the room. It said, Look at that door, look at that window, look at that floor. These were all people's imagination that they manifested. Everything we see in the world, everything, has all been manifested from people's thoughts. Yeah. And he talked about the art of mental pictures. If you can like imagine it, you can create it. And uh, so I've been driven to be that person from the beginning. It just, I lost my way times. Yeah. I love that. And I'm curious, like, how did it, what happened for you uh, after you sold the Playboy Mansion? That's like winning a Super Bowl ring. Did that affect your confidence? Did that affect how you, how you showed up in new business uh, meetings? And did, did that make you more successful? After, like, I'm curious about that because uh, yeah. a lot of people are, you know, they're fighting very hard to reach a certain level, but that's, in my mind, I think that's just when doors are going to start opening up. That's when you take it to the next level, right? I didn't come right. this far just to come this far, right? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't one the first big opportunity I got, but I'm yeah. telling everyone out there, I don't care if you 
you don't even have your license yet or you're in some other business. It doesn't have to be real estate. Yeah. But if you, I mean, there's people out watching this podcast, I'm sure really successful yeah. in the same place that we are. And then there's people here that are struggling or there's someone who's been in business 30 years and they're, they're just not performing now and they need to kind of shake things up and get back on track. We yeah. all get opportunities. Yeah. We all get these opportunities in life. Now, the first trick is recognizing there's an opportunity. Mm. I there's a lot of people that would have had that one conversation with that one guy and not thought that was an opportunity and they wouldn't have gone down that road and and, and manifesting that over four years so it's really important to want those things and be able to recognize them when they come um once you get once you see that opportunity you need to seize it and take hold of it, and we got to win. You got to you got to take that and take advantage of it. And once you achieve that, you need to leverage it. Yeah. I can work that I sold the Playboy Mansion into any conversation. And uh, yes, when that happened, a it gave me a shitload of additional confidence. It's one of those undeniable things. Yeah. It, literally, I was joking. My listing appointment got really short. I just walk in saying, I, I sold the Playboy Mansion and Hef get to, got to stay there for free for the rest of his life. Mic drop, walk away. So, <laughs> so obviously that is not true because when I go on listing appointments, I'm competing with five other people yeah. that are every bit as good or better than that. So, yeah. but yes, it, a, it gave me a lot of confidence. The other thing it did is I... I'm shocked how other people feel about it. Yeah. That's the shocking thing. I mean, it's just, I am like, it's just become like part of who I am in terms of that's, I mean, in other people's minds. Yeah. So it's just, it's, I mean, it is such an, it's just such an undeniable elevator pitch. And then I, what was you know great is I've backed it up with bigger sales than that. Two years later, I, Three years, is it three years later? In 2019, I sold the Chartwell estate, which some people know as the Beverly Hillbillies estate. That was $150 million. Yeah. That at the time was the biggest single family home to ever sell in the US for yeah. about five minutes. And then Jeff Bezos bought something for 165. <laughs> um, so that, but the Playboy one seems to just be. It's just a cool thing to have on the resume. Well, it, it, yeah, it might be the most famous house ever. So yeah, I love the fact that happened to me. That is, uh, you know, my whole life, my real goal, to be quite honest, I just wanted, I just wanted to be great at something. Yeah. I just wanted, in fact, everything I do, I just, not in an arrogant way, but I don't know. I just maybe it's I, I, I want approval. If I have people over for dinner, I want it to be freaking great. I am not ordering takeout not going to happen i am going to bring it and i'm going to bring it hard when i cook for like i can cook for 20 people yeah. i am nuts don't even if if you are my grandmother and you are my way while i'm getting things ready you're going to be run over <laughs> i mean <laughs> i'm crazy but i just want i just whatever i do i want it to be great i don't care what it is if i made dinner reservations if i if i set up a trip and we're going to go to vegas i want everything that we set up that i'm involved in 
I want it to be great. So Southern Playboy Mansion is a moment of greatness. And I love that. And everything I do, that is my goal. My goal really is I just want to be, I want to do things, I want to do things great. Not, not in an arrogant way. It's just yeah. in, I just want, I just love when shit is just perfect or not even perfect, just like well played, win. But let's talk about that. But first, can you just share the quote that you shared with me from the, I don't, is it a statue or something that you received? Oh, yeah. Because I think that that ties very well into this conversation. Steve Angelo, another Swede. Swedes can be very successful, you know. And um, and they all don't have blonde hair, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Steve Angelo is a client of mine. He's a DJ from Swedish House Mafia. And uh, he gave me this uh, little poster and it said, do not be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Um, that was a quote. Right? It's a quote from John Rockefeller. Now he said he, he did give that to me after I sold his house. If he gave that to me before I sold this house, maybe he was trying to tell me something. <laughs> he just stuff it out. But he, he did that after. So, so can you do you have an example in your own life when you were willing to go after to let go of the good to to do something great? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I, I continue to do that. And you know what? Guess what? I haven't always won. I've yeah. gone through some really big stuff and it like did not work. And, uh, but here's the beauty. And this is why I like to look at my life more like a story or like a, being a hero in a movie is these things that failed. Like I would have never sold a Playboy Mansion if I didn't get my ass royally kicked from going into developments in 2003 to 2009, I really got focused over time in developments. Yeah. And uh, I really got away from doing resale. And I figured I'd rather sell 3000 units and have all these sales teams than sell 25 houses. That sounds more interesting. And I'll be traveling the world. That sounds great. And I really put all my energy into that. And I assembled probably over well over a billion dollars worth of listings all over the you know costa rica and hawaii and vegas and, to, and fiji yeah. and pasadena and west hollywood and had a couple successes um but literally where it was just like oh my, this is unbelievable how much i have yeah I remember calling a client and he and i was asking we were going to buy this property downtown to do a saint regis residences and he goes you didn't hear i go hear what he goes it's over there's no more money this whole this whole development thing done over and i literally put all this effort and time and really depleted my name in the resale business where i remember being at an airport and someone says you still in real estate one thing you never want to hear someone say so i that one was i uh I went for it in a big way. I went big and uh, got my teeth kicked in. Now, the upside, upshot of that was I remember saying, okay, I'm going to reinvent myself in real estate. I need to because yeah. literally had lost my, my status. And I remember going to an Inman conference and said, I'm going to be the most tech and marketing savvy person in real estate and the one with the most experience. That combination is going to be a win. 
And at the time, I also, when I did do developments, I was introduced to Zillow. This is before people who sold expensive homes were using Zillow. It was actually no one in Beverly Hills was or even registered with Zillow or Trulia. It was embarrassing. Zillow was thought of equivalent to putting registering with Zillow and being like acknowledging that you're part of that, uh, which was free, was equivalent to having a bus bench, which is not cool if you're selling expensive houses. I had in developments, I had a budget and I, someone had told me, you should check out Zillow. So I had someone else's money. I had this budget and we would buy these banner ads in Zillow. And as, and these, with these banner ads, they would give you these ads on the side that just had your name on it in the zip code where you're advertising. What became their biggest product they used to give away for free if you bought these banner ads. So I had those, I didn't even know I was getting them. Just my name was on it because I bought for the development this. And all of a sudden I started getting calls from people that I didn't know all over. It was Beverly Hills and, and the Sunset Strip. I was getting calls from all these buyers and sellers. And I went, I just, it was, I was the only one who was doing it. So everyone else's listings, they were coming to me because I had registered and I fell into it. I didn't even recognize it. So when I had to go back in real estate, I kept all those zip codes. I kept that thing. And I, that's what I started spending money on. And that's what rebuilt my career. Wow. And that's what ultimately got me in a very roundabout way. Yeah. I mean, got me the Playboy Mansion. It's not like I knew that person. I knew that person Through because that. of a series of, it's just a series of things that happened, but it really stemmed from advertising on Zillow. Wow. That's, that's very cool. Um, Gary, I have a question. So you said that you wanted to be great. And I, coming from martial arts background and also being in real estate now, like most of the time you, you meet a lot of people that say that they want to be great. But unfortunately, there, there's, there's the gap between wanting to be great and taking the actions to be great. Uh, what do you think most people stop too soon or what have you done in order to keep pushing through to actually become great at what you well, do? I well, just, I can speak about both. Yeah. Because I've been very good at being great and doing what it takes to be great. And I've been really good at not being great. I've had a lot of experiences. <laughs> I really have. Yeah. Um, um, I really look at people like me, salespeople, especially real estate people. We're very similar to athletes. And what I mean by that is it has your the impact of what you're going to do today yeah. has nothing to do with how great you are or who you are it has to do with your performance at the moment are, we are in a performance business we do not get paid for our name i am not on salary i don't get some, i don't get signed for 100 million dollars and i have that and then it would be i am i i i, I eat what i kill <laughs> it's that simple so um i've I would say one, uh, one of the things that I struggle with is I'm easily distracted and I can easily go on these crazy tangents. I'll sit down at my computer wanting to do one thing. And next thing I know, I am like on YouTube watching hot ones or, I mean, I don't do too much of that, but it happens. 
Happens. And uh, yeah, I'm watching Dave Grohl on Hot Ones or <laughs> <laughs> or Thundercat or something, <laughs> or or I'll be like, I'll I'll be on Amazon buying something, or I'll start looking at this, or I'm I am like. I literally, you could be talking to me. We could be outside and all of a sudden there's a plane goes by and I'm like, <laughs> any shiny object can really distract me. So I think people need to create, for me and what I've learned a lot from coaching uh, is time blocking and regimenting your thing. And the other thing, and we, this is so common. I mean, you talk to a hundred people who are like mindset coaches that all tell you this is why is really important why you do something that's why sometimes when people have their back against the wall when they're like out of money and they're out of moves and they're at their bottom they recover because they they go into survival mode and it's like the lizard brain the lizard brain takes over and they're just going to get but you only get so far with that yeah but i would say knowing why you want to do something if you know why, which is really step one, yeah. and you want, and you know the outcome, which is step ten, yeah. those two things. If you, if you like, if you're thinking about both of those things at all time, they're like running in the background, and you can feel them at all time. And that's like at any given time, that is what keeps you going. I think that's going to be real powerful. If you don't know the why, or you don't know the outcome. Really hard to to make progress. Then you're just rudderless. So, and I, but for me, it's a discipline. It's not like oh, one day I learned this and now that's what I do. For me, it's a it's like a it's a discipline. I got to do it every day. Yeah. Uh, and I've got to I you know I, I got to wake up every day and I got to get myself in that space. And the one thing I also don't do. So what? I'm watching fucking hot ones and I do that for 10 minutes. Okay. I stop that. Okay. Now I've got to do what I was supposed to do. It's not like, okay, fuck that. It's it's not like I'll go on a diet Monday. No, you stop that and you do that. You know, it's really amazing. If you, there's 24 hours in a day, you're going to sleep eight of them. Probably another four or five that just happened. Life happened. There's probably 10 hours available for most people 10 11 hours that they could possibly do something yeah if they fuck around for six of them and they kick ass for five of them or four of them or three of them they're going to the hall of fame you don't need to be really on and really focused for that much time during the day yeah i could at today today after i get off with you if i have a solid two hours of like just genius performance whatever i'm doing wow. you know you do, you do other shit during the day i'm not saying you're just gonna walk around twirl your thumbs the rest yeah. but if you just have these the real solid thing. yeah couple hours or two where i am just like making that right call doing that right thing thinking about that right thing that time that's like a that will that, that will take you that will absolutely take you a long way yeah you you don't need to to be on 12 hours a day no one is yeah you need to be on when it matters you know what it's uh, most people on this are are most of the people on this real estate agents you think uh, it's it's a mix 
people with big big goals and dreams. So it's real estate, uh, entrepreneurs, actors, musicians. Okay. Yeah, I think this applies to all those people. Yeah, you know, you if you only have to have a a, a handful of really great moves at any given time that make up a total success. Yeah. It's these moments. You have these moments in time where you just nail it. And that really is the foundation of your whole life. You yeah. don't need to be on it, nailing it. Boom. You don't do not need to be a McDonald's employee yeah. to win. You need to have these moments yeah. consistently, but you only have to have moments of greatness moments where you do the right thing or make the right call or say the right thing or do the right thing moments you don't need to be doing it all day long now you need to be consistent you do yeah. need to be consistent you need to be doing that over a long period of time but you don't need to even do a lot of it i i remember my national team coach used to say there's like you can become a world champion if you're really really extremely good at one technique and I always think, and then he showed me several guys. These they are world champions, and they are good at this one thing, uh, and 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 that that blew my mind. And it's interesting mm -hmm. you're you're saying basically the same thing. Uh, I have two more mm -hmm. questions, uh, Gary, and then I'll let you go. Uh, one is you're talking about time blocking. You're talking about these really important things in your career and life. What are one of one or two or three of those things that you have done that have have significantly increase your success well the most important thing and i gotta remind myself it's it's stupid how much i have to remind myself because this is what this is the, what matters is this right here this device can this device is your success pick up the goddamn phone and call people mm. and then keep on calling them and stay on top of people and do your you, you, you know what? The reality is you've got to be great. You do have to be great. There's, if In real estate, in acting, in rock and roll, whatever it is, yeah. a lot of people trying to do it. Yeah. You've got to be great. You've got to be that person that you put the effort in and you continue to put the effort in. And, you know, when I go after a listing, there's times, when, you know, I might call the person 200 times before we take it down. Yeah. And I just end up there because I just beat out everyone because I just did it. You need to, you need to really today. Yeah. You need to bring it. You need to have quality. Your hacks may not apply. It's not, they're not going to do that well. They could survive, but know your craft. Do be of real value. Uh, in real estate, no one needs. People, you know, when I started this business, all we were is providers of information and we could be successful if we knew how to deliver that. Now we are providers of intelligence. We are, and it's a whole different game. We really do need to be good at what we do. It's so funny. Like, in fact, I hear this a lot. I'm not going to say that's the case or not, but kids today, you know, one of my sons just, I want to be, I want to be known for something. I go, that's not how it works. <laughs> uh, so really knowing your craft, really learning something and being good at something yeah. and then executing on that and knowing why you want to do something and knowing what you want to do, those two things, 
if you've got those things and it's literally you're you're focused on that 24 7 that's in the background that'll serve you well but you also just also besides knowing why and knowing what you need to you need to figure out what that path is and what skills you need and you need to consistently do it that's great. Uh, my final question to you, Gary, is uh, we're all about sharing knowledge, but at the end of the day, I want the people that are here that are listening to take action. So what would be the first thing they should do right after this show in order to get a little bit closer to their dreams and goals? Um, well, I think that you know, I think it is a great exercise to know why you want to do what you want to do. Yeah. I think that's really important. Like, okay, you know, that's when people have dreams, when they know why. I mean, you've heard that. I mean, why do you think immigrants who come here with nothing have probably, I'm, I, am, I don't have the statistics, but just from my experience, I think people who come here from another country with nothing have had more success than people that have been here for a long time. It just seems to be the case. That's what our country is built on. And I think their why is so strong. They want to be able to afford to have their, their family come here. They want to be able to have an apartment. They want to be able to, whatever it is. And so I think those two things, I mean, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. Those are really important, but you know, and before, whatever you're doing, I would, I would study the market. I would like go after something, whether it's you're a musician or if it's your actor or find something that you think there's a real market for. Yeah. Uh, now with art, often it's a little bit more creative, but it still applies to the same thing. Where is there a market? Where could you make a difference? Where, you know, and, it, and that can take a lot of shapes. Love that. Gary Gold, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. I uh, have learned a lot today. I'm going to rewatch and re-listen to this show and uh, take a lot of notes. I hope if you're listening and watching this show that you've taken a lot of notes and that you watch it again. Uh, one thing that I want to do I told you I want to help a lot of people. I can't do that myself. If you enjoy this show, please share it with somebody else. Subscribe to our YouTube channel on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And just, you know, be, be a positive force out there. We really appreciate you guys. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Gary. And thank all of Take you. Take care.